Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Ryan Snow, man. So tell me where you guys went for the last, uh, this recent trip. Yeah. So we just got back from Cabo San Lucas. Nice. I love Cabo. We actually have a timeshare. We go out there every other other year, I think, every other year. So you're down in there with uh, Mary Lynn and then who else? The M1 crew? Yeah. So the M1 group, the break off sort of from GoBundance and uh, like a group coaching program that I'm part of. We stayed in this huge $12 million mansion with like 30 of us in the house right on the coast, built like built into the side of a cliff. Wow. Which is amazing. That's epic. That is epic. Wow. $12 million mansion. I, I don't think I've ever stayed in a $12 million mansion. That's pretty cool. Cool. So, and you get, you give a talk down there? I did. Yeah. I gave a talk on clarity of vision, actually, and talked a little bit about what we might touch base on today. So, nice, dude. Nice. So, uh, for those listening, this is Ryan Snow that I am talking with here. Uh, Ryan Snow is the co author uh, with yours truly of the Miracle Morning for Salespeople. And Ryan, you've probably heard me reference before, he's not just the co-author. He's literally, although he's not... Uh, he's like the, he's the idea guy. He's the guy that called me and said, Hal, have you ever thought of doing a book series for the Miracle Morning? And I was like, I, I've thought about it. But why? Why do you ask? And he said, uh, you can tell me if I get this wrong, Ryan, but I think he basically said, I, you know, since I've read the Miracle Morning and started implementing it, my sales have increased and I've taught it with my sales team and all of my sales team that's read the book and implemented the Miracle Morning, their sales have increased. So you should do like a customized version for salespeople with, you know, unique affirmations and this and that. And, uh, I said, dude, you want to co-author it with me? Let's, let's do it. That's a good, that's a cool idea. So that's literally how the Miracle Morning book series was born. So Ryan, I will be forever indebted to you uh, for that this, that spark that you lit, man. Yeah, no, and I to you for making me the co-author on the book and what a ride it's been. It's been great. Just now I'm running around teaching that class and doing the one day Miracle Morning for Salespeople workshop all over the place. So so much awesome, so that man. you're you're now like required. You're going to be required to like scale, right? You've got to bring on other teachers, trainers to teach it because you're getting too much demand to many requests? Yeah, that's that's the thing. So uh, I I was doing one a month last year and I had a full-time job. I was running a, a KW office at the time and I recently quit that job in November of 2017. So I've been traveling around doing three or four of these a month and we've got more people asking to do them. And I committed to my wife that I would only travel one week out of the month so I could spend time with the family. And so yeah, now we're actually hiring other trainers to be able to expand the program. So crazy, excited. man. Congrats. That's exciting. Super exciting. So, so today we're going to talk about the five G's of goal setting and, uh, being that it's the achieve your goals podcast. This is a very targeted, uh, discussion that we're going to have today. Five G's of goal setting. You know, give, give a little bit on like, your background in terms of when did you start setting goals? Were you, you know, was this like something you learned from your father or mother as a child and you were setting goals or was it something that you learned when you were in sales, uh, for, you know, for Vector or when did you really become a goal setter and a goal achiever? Yeah. So I think that my parents always sort of just held high standards. I don't know if it was particularly goals, but so I always held high standards for myself. And I don't know if I called them goals until maybe when I got to like college age and started with Cutco. Right around the time you and I met is probably when I started like writing down specific things that I would call goals and going after them. 
So I, at least the last like 18 years or so I've been doing this. Yeah. Right. Uh, but unofficially, I would say since I was like a teenager, probably. Right on, man. Right on. And you're, uh, you, you obviously have achieved some extraordinary goals personally and, and professionally from when you were doing it when you were with KW and then now branching off and doing your own things and, and creating the, you know, co-authoring the book and then creating the workshops and this and that, man. So, uh, so let's dive in. So the five G's of goal setting, you can set this up any way that you want or, or I want to know, you know, what the first G is, man. I'm, I'm curious, right? It's like when you, when you, it's funny when you learn. Well, I think that's why, you know, the four P's of productivity or the five G's of goal setting, like, I think it's so effective because our brain, right? It opens that loop that we want closed. Like, dude, what's the first one? What's the next one? I need to know all five, right? So, so let's dive in, man. What's the first G of goal setting? Yeah, I love it. It makes them easy to remember too, sort of like the savers do for the miracle morning. So yeah, uh, the first one is uh, grand vision is the first one. So I think of grand vision sort of like Simon Sinek's idea of start with why. Right. So it's like the underlying theme for most people about what's most important to them in their life and their business. So when I'm talking about grand vision, it's usually like it's when you're giving yourself permission to dream as big as you possibly can. It's something that you probably don't have the plan for how you would actually go about achieving it. It's just something that you know that you want and that's important to you. And it's probably years down the road, maybe five years out, 10 years out. So I had, yeah, this is a great point. I had a, a friend yesterday that called called me for just kind of some like big picture, just life and business advice. And he's very successful. I think he's doing like $2 million a year in in revenue in his business that he started from scratch and very successful, makes a great income, but he just has realized over the years. And and I think more and more recently that it's, he's not, he doesn't love what he's doing, you know? And I think that people, a lot of people listening probably can relate to that, you know, like (laughs) work is a means to an end. Right. And I think we've all been there before. and, And a lot of us are still there where, we work to pay the bills, but we don't. We don't really love our work. Maybe we. Maybe we even don't like our work, or as far as hate it. But we need a paycheck. We got to put food on the table. We got to pay our rent, our, our mortgage, etc. And so, but he realized he goes, man, I just, I, I don't. You know, what, what's the point? Why, if you know, I'm not. I'm not enjoying my work, which is roughly half of my life uh, in terms of how many hours a day he, he's at the office. And so, anyway, long story short, you know, he was talking about like what he needs to do now and. I said, I think what we need to do now is not worry about what you need to do now. You need to step back and look at what do you want to be doing a year from now or three or five or 10 years from now and really just write that, get real detailed clarity on that and then work backwards to today. And that might mean that you keep doing what you're doing for the next year or two or whatever to you know put yourself in a position to do what you ultimately want to do. But I think that for you know what you're talking about is so important for us that we often are, we're always focused on the now, you know, we're like, Oh, what, what's happening today? And what's my life like today? And how do I feel about this? And this creates stress for me and et cetera, et cetera, versus, all right, if life's not perfect right now, that's okay. Right. And how do I want it to be? And stepping back and, and you call it the grand vision, right? Looking at the grand vision. So what do you suggest for people in terms of making this actionable? Is this writing a, you know, one, three, five, 10 year vision? Is this, what, how does somebody, what does somebody from this call, what do they schedule an hour later today or tonight to do to implement this, uh, this first G of, of uh, goal setting? Love that question. Yeah. So this is actually an exercise that we do in the Miracle Morning Workshop with everybody. And so the two things we have them do is write in five years, and then it's just a blank piece of paper and in 10 years. And what I want them to think about is what do they want? How are they going to spend their time? What will their relationships look like? Where will they live? 
what are their finances going to look like? What are their, what will their business look like? Who's on their team, right? So if they run a business, who are they adding to their team? How are they leveraging some of those things that maybe they don't want to do? Because it's not just that people don't like, some people really like work, right? But they don't like the trade-off. They don't like the priorities they're given up in order to have that. So I want them to look at all aspects and what's that look like in five years? And what's that look like in 10 years? And really dig in and get some clarity around and and again, answering this question as if it were in a perfect world. Yeah. Right. Because there are so many things that are going to shift and change over the next five years or 10 years that we can't even comprehend the idea of what we could potentially accomplish in five years or 10 years. So one of the things in setting this exercise up that I ask people to do is to look back at five years ago or 10 years ago and just ask yourself the question, like, could you ever imagined that you would have grown this much or that things would have changed this much since five years ago or since 10 years ago. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's like incomprehensible the fact that we can grow that much. Like Bill Gates has that quote, we always overestimate the change that's going to occur in the next two years and we underestimate the change that's going to occur in the next 10. I thought that was Eminem. I'm just kidding. Keep going. No, it's great. It's a great point we don't want it to stop somebody from going after something bigger just because they don't necessarily know how they would get there or they're afraid that it's too big or too much or that they don't deserve it yet. We're just sort of dreaming as big as possible. If they could have everything, what would it look like? Yeah. And the further out that we go, I think the more we can remove our self-imposed limitations, right? Because the more there is the whole, well, yeah. So, you know, 10 years from now, I mean, shoot, who knows? I don't even know. What, what could I do? Maybe I could make millions and millions and millions or I could... You know, run marathon. I mean, whatever. I could run marathons. I could do anything. If it's you know, like one year goals are, and this is why this grand vision step is so important because one year goals are riddled with self imposed limitations, right? Right, and, yeah, and rightly exactly. so. It's like yeah, there's only so much you can do in one year. And to your point, you know, Bill Gates, uh, I guess said, you know, we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in ten. I love it, man. All right. So we got grand vision, the first G of goal setting. And if you're listening to this, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, goal achievers, don't, uh, you know, obviously do this, like sit down and do this. And it's something we should be doing at least once a year, if not regularly, just for our mental health and just to, just to get a bigger picture of our future and what's possible for all of us. So I love it, Ryan. All right, man. Keep going. Yeah. So number two is goals, right? So in goal setting, we're going to set some goals and these are shorter terms. So these are going to be like the annual goals and the quarterly goals. So where the grand vision is about dreaming big, the goals are about like narrowing the focus a little bit more and saying, okay, if I can only focus on a few things in the next quarter or the next year, what are the most important ones that are going to help me take the next steps to be able to live out that grand vision? And we need to have both, right? We have to have the big dream and the, and the, the hopes piece and then we need to have the broken down goals so that we can actually set out action plans to create it and make it happen. It's not just going to happen on its own. So understanding that end destination is going to allow us to sort of reverse engineer that plan. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I love it. And it's so funny. Goal setting is such an elementary thing in terms of, you know, it's it, most of us, if we're entrepreneurs or seeing sales or successful, we're taught to set goals. And it's like, every, but every time I hear a message like this, usually I'm, I'm not going, wow, I never heard anything like that before, but I'm going, damn it, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, like I, 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 I forget, you know, those fundamentals and those basics. In fact, that's actually coming off of last year's cancer journey for me. That is actually my number one, like my theme for this year is get back to basics. That's my theme. 
get back to basics, get back to what works, meaning the savers, right? All of the, the personal development practices every day, the miracle morning, goal setting, health and fitness, right? Just like the basics, the fundamentals of goal achievement is really what I'm focused on getting back to this year, really simplifying, not trying to learn the newest, craziest, latest, cutting edge thing, but just getting back to what, what's gotten me here. And I think that for all of us, you know, that, that's something we can, we can always revisit and always, always look at. Yeah. And a couple of things too, that I feel like people make the same mistakes over and over again when they start setting these goals. Yeah. So the number one mistake that I would say that I see with most people that I've either coached or had in training is that their goals are arbitrary in the sense that they like just pick a number because they feel like it's the right next thing for them to do. Yeah. And not necessarily because it actually makes sense for where they're at and where they're taking their people or their team or where they want to take their health. They're just picking it because it makes sense. Like, I'm going to double my business this year. Yeah. Okay, well, why? Why are you going to double your business? And what does that look like? And do you really want to work as many more hours as you're going to need to? Or are you committed to hiring the number of employees you would need to hire in order to do that? And so actually taking some time to look at, do these goals actually keep me on track for the vision that I said that I wanted in the grand vision? Gotcha. Okay. Another one would be the need for immediate results. Right. So that idea that we need to make the goal so big this year because we have to grow like vertically each year a little bit in order to keep on track. But that's not really how growth happens. Right. Like if you look at most growth patterns for people and for businesses, they look like that hockey stick where it's like kind of flat for a while and you just keep doing the activity. And then you get like the stick end at the end. So even if we have this huge, ridiculous goal for five years out or 10 years out, that's part of the grand vision. It doesn't mean that we need to do a fifth of that or a tenth of that this year. And so making sure that we're planning accordingly based on where we currently are and knowing that some of that growth is going to happen rapidly towards the end from just doing the right things this year, not trying to cram it all in right at the beginning and front load everything. Gotcha. Yeah, really great point. And then the last one is the idea of too many goals, right? And so Uh, I think the best place to put people is like, go to the one thing. The one thing isn't about having one goal. It's about having one key goal in each of the areas that are going to make other goals sort of happen and make it easier or unnecessary to do these other things because people write down like 10 or 20 or 30 goals that they're going to accomplish in a year. Yeah. And so as soon as they do that, they dilute everything and they don't spend enough time on the ones that really are the most important to them. And so having the clarity around what's important as far as priorities, I feel like would be really helpful for most people. In fact, we just came from that dad's retreat. Yeah, and uh, Jay Papazon and and Jeff Woods were there talking about this, and they had us write down our priorities, like all the things in life that make up priorities for us, whether it's like family and health and kids and fun and job and money, and then we had to rank them in order, and it was so telling because it was huh. like, well, you can only really take care of seven, so who's fallen in eight, nine, and ten, and do they belong there? And it it was just interesting to look at. Yeah, for me, a few years ago, I started when I set my goals. I started identifying my mission for every year, mm-hmm. and uh, and it could be a mission in each area. But for me, it's the mission. Usually, I'll do all at the most. I do two missions, so I have a personal and a professional, right? And the reason I did that is just by changing the language that we use, and then what we associate with that language. Meaning, for me, I, the way I looked at it is, you know, we we often set goals, we hit them, we don't hit them, we you know, eh, well, I'll try again, new goals, new year, etc. I thought. The level of commitment that we have to a mission, like when we're on a when you're on a mission, you're fully committed to that. It's a mission, right? You're fully committed to executing the mission. You think about military; it's like the mission. It's like if you don't do it right, you die. <laughs> you know, so pretty. It's not a goal. Our goal is to go and sneak into the enemy territory and not die, right? No, that's, that's a mission, right? You're fully committed with every fiber of your being. 
Uh, and when you're that committed, the, the amount of planning that goes in and preparation and collaboration, right, is at a very high, high level. And so for me, I just every year when I set my goals, I go, okay, of all the goals that I've set professionally, which one, if, if I had to pick, that only one was going to happen. If none, and that this is how I get myself to figure it out. I go, if none were, uh, were I got seven goals professionally. If only one's going to happen, and the other can't, they absolutely cannot. I have to pick one. What is that one? What what one will make the biggest impact on my business, my life, et cetera, et cetera? And then I do it personally. And anyway, so yeah, just along that line of having too many goals. I think it's okay to have multiple goals, but like you talked about that Jay Papasan and Jeff talked about at the Dad's Retreat. Really, just prioritizing, and if that helps anybody listening to you know to call it your mission uh, amongst your many many goals, you know what is your mission either professionally and personally, or if you want to really you know look at if you if you have to create a mission in each area, your mission in your health, your mission in your finances, your mission in your marriage, etc. So yeah, no, I love that, and what I love about what you just said too is that level of commitment, right? So what's your commitment, and how are you showing that you're committed to those top level goals? Yeah, great point. All right, what's uh, what's our third G? All right, so number three is game plan. So once we have the goals and we've sort of set the end dates for the quarter or the month, we need some sort of plan as to how we're actually going to take action and put them into play. So at first, breaking them down can seem daunting when you pick like a one-year goal, let's say. So we want to break it down into like daily and weekly activities that we need to do. And so they have to be scheduled as daily, weekly, and monthly activities. I actually break mine down and color code them as to what needs to be done every day, every week, or every month. Gotcha. Monthly, weekly, daily activities. Okay. The next piece is similar to the SMART goals piece, they need to be measurable, right? So for instance, like when training for a half marathon, the game plan for this week can't be running. The game plan might be run three miles on Monday, four miles on Thursday, long run of eight miles on Saturday. There's no question of whether or not I fulfilled my obligation to stay on track for the goal. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So measurable. So not just, I I like that. It's important. Measurable, not just the goal itself, but the game plan, right? The activity. I think that's an, that's an important distinction that's often not taught. You know, it's like, yeah, set your smart goals, um, the end being measurable, but this might be the first time I've heard anybody talk about that your game plan, your activity needs to be measurable as well. So really great point. Yeah. For me, like when I was in sales, it was, you know, the 20 calls a day, or if I want to double my sales, 40 calls a day, right? You know, I could really easily manipulate those numbers uh, to achieve the goal based on how relative they were. And then uh, same thing with the, with the ultra mar- when I was training for that uh, the ultra marathon. To your point about you know it can't just be run this week. Uh, I was following a game plan from a book called The Non Runners Marathon Trainer, and it was yeah it told me exactly you know run two miles today, two miles tomorrow, three miles on Wednesday, you know three, two miles, and then five, and then long run on you know Saturday. Of, 10 mile or, or whatever. So yeah, really great point. All right, awesome. keep going. Yeah. And so the last little piece of this, well, I guess there's two more, but the big one is the idea of the fact that you have to have faith in the plan, right? Like you have to mm. believe that it's going to work. So sort of, sort of like the miracle equation, which we have at the end of the Miracle Morning for Salespeople book, which is that idea that if you don't have faith in the fact that following this plan is going to get you to the end goal that you wanted, Yep. then why would you put in the effort, right? You won't actually do the activity if you don't believe that doing the activity is going to get you what you wanted in the end. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's an important point to the, the goal overall. If you don't really have faith that you can reach the goal, yeah, you're not going to, you're not, you're not even going to make the game plan probably, right? Like why make the game plan if you don't believe you can reach the goal? I and mean, then if you reach the goal, but your game, you don't have faith in the game plan, you know, why actually implement the game plan? So yeah, really great, great, great stuff. And then two questions that are sort of guiding questions that, I think some people miss the boat on in doing their planning is, 
do the activities that I'm saying that I'm going to do actually fit in my calendar with my other priorities? And do the activities fit in my budget? So I think of this as like when I'm when I was training real estate agents, for instance. Yep. Farming is one of the ways that real estate agents grow their business. So they mail out to a group of individuals and they attempt to get business from like a neighborhood, let's say. And so they may plan to mail to a thousand individuals. And farming is one of those things that takes time. It's 18 to 24 months before you start to see a return on your your investment. Well, if I go in planning on saying, I'm going to mail to a thousand people every single month in order to hit my goal of getting X number of transactions from that farm... And I've only got in my budget enough to spend that money for six months, and then I don't have the money anymore, then I can't follow through with the activity I said I was going to do to hit my goal. Hmm. So they need to make sure that it fits in their schedule, one, that they're going to actually have time to do the activity. But then two, are they going to be able to maintain the activity for the entire amount of time that it's going to take to get the result? Because otherwise, they're just wasting money and time, and they're going to fall short of their goal. Gotcha. That makes sense. So do the activities fit in my calendar, and do the activities fit into my budget? All right. Love it. All right, we on to the fourth G of goal setting? We are. So the fourth G of goal setting is guidance. And that comes down to the fact that we can learn from the successes and mistakes of others or from our own. And I've found that learning from my own mistakes usually costs me a lot more money than learning from the mistakes of others. So that guidance could come in lots of different forms. It could come from a book or a webinar or a workshop. It could come from a training or an online course or in best case scenario, probably a mentor or a coach. Yeah. Uh, some are going to have a higher level of learning because of the ongoing nature of them, like coaching or training or mentor. But And the ability to interact and ask one-on-one questions, I feel like, is probably the fastest way. Yeah. But again, it depends on whether or not that's in their budget. You're not going to have a coach for every single goal, probably, unless you can afford that. So you've got to figure out like which resources make sense based on this particular goal. Got it. And even if you did, if, even if you could afford it, you, then you then you wouldn't have any room in your calendar for activities because you'd be on coaching calls all the time. <laughs> all, all day, every day. Right. Uh, and there are people that do that, right? There, I mean, personal. In fact, I've, I, we've all probably been there. You know, be, uh, different phases of personal development junkies. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm reading more books than ever, and that's like, are you doing anything with it? Well, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just reading a lot. You know, it's like uh, we think that's that's the goal or that that's the winner. If I read these books, then I'll achieve what I want. But obviously, you know, the actions what matters. So, um, all right, so uh, so with guidance, we've got learning from the mistakes and the successes of others, and again, that could be books, training, coaching, etc. All right, what else? So I think another thing you just sort of pointed out is the fact that you need to make sure that it's tailored to the goals and to the vision. Right, it has to be connected to the grand vision and to the goals. Because if we just set out to read like everything we can to learn, then we don't focus enough on what we need to go do. And so choosing the path, once we choose the path, we don't need to learn every possible way to achieve the goal. Mm-hmm. We need to become masters at the one or two ways that we set out that we were going to do it. Like what's in the game plan? What do we need to learn in the game plan? And how do we need to stay on track for that game plan? Not let's learn everything there is to know in that entire area. Got it. So quality over quantity when it comes to strategies. Yeah, and reread, right? Like if you're if you're getting it from books or you're getting it from classes, don't go out and take twenty different classes or read twenty different books. Get two or three books on the topic and then read them two or three times as you're going through the activity because you're learning, changing, growing, and you're gonna take different things from it each time that you go through. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of rereading versus, you know. I think when we read something, we're exposed to the information. When we reread it, we we really internalize it and understand it at a deeper level. So awesome. 
right. the next major piece of guidance is the accountability factor of it, right? Mm. So who's holding you accountable to the things that you said you were going to do? People will say that integrity is the most important thing to them. Like if you ask most people, they'll say trust and integrity. Those are the things that stand out for them as the most important. And if they make an appointment with somebody else, they'll pretty much always uphold it. Right. So for most people, if they said to their mom, like, hey, mom, I'm going to be there on Saturday to help you do this, they're going to show up. Or if they told their best friend they were going to come help them move, they're going to show up. But if they write something in their calendar that they're supposed to do just for themselves to stay on track for their own goals, it'll be the first thing that they'll let slide. Yeah. And so they need somebody else to hold them accountable because we don't want to look bad in front of other people. That's actually a way for people to use the fact that we try and avoid pain as a motivator to keep them on track is to tell somebody else that they're going to do something because then they're going to be more accountable to the fact that they need to get it done. And even if it's for themselves. For you, what are your... I'm just curious, what do you personally... What are your sources for accountability? Or what um, have they been in the past? Yeah, no. So I have several of them. Great question. I have one-on-one coaches in certain areas. So like I just wrote another book and I hired Honoré as my coach to keep me on track for the book so that there we would go. launch on time and we would make sure to do the right things as far as marketing and advertising. And Honoré um, will I, kick your butt. You know that from, <laughs> from uh, co-authoring the real estate book with her. <laughs> I do. She's a freaking rock star. So um, I I hired a one-on-one coach for that. I have a group coaching program in the M1 program that I'm part of. And within that is a pod that I'm part of with five or six other individuals. And we have calls every two weeks. And we talk about our 90-day goals and where we are on track for them. And we make commitments to them. So we have to reward ourselves when we hit our goals. And we create punishments for ourselves for when we don't follow through and get our stuff done. And the idea is that some people are going to be more motivated by the pleasure, the seek pleasure part of having a reward. And some people are going to be more motivated by the avoid pain piece of having to do the punishment. So if you make the pain of the punishment worse than the pain of the activity you need to do to hit your goal, then you're more likely going to stick to the goal and get the activity done. Now, like, say that again. If you make the pain, say it again. Yeah. So if you make the pain of the punishment for not achieving your goal, bigger than the pain of doing the activity in order to hit your goal, you're going to hit your goal every time. Yeah, that, that's a great point there. I read a book a long, like 15 years ago called Following Through. And that was the premise of the entire book was that set yourself up with consequences. And I think and there's, you know, there's the positive psychology movement that, that goes kind of against this, but I think there's lessons to learn from both. And it was, again, that idea that it will do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. If we would do enough to gain pleasure, everyone in the world would be ultimately successful because it's like, well, there's enough pleasure available if you work hard enough, right? But we tend to work hard enough to avoid the pain of losing our house or not being able to buy food or, you know what I mean, right? So most, I think most of us, we can relate to that and having that consequence that is painful enough to get us into action, at least until we get the habits in place from taking those actions consistently. Right. Um, and we, we talk about this in the workshop too, because I feel like this is something that comes up a lot for people. A lot of the issue behind this isn't necessarily like whether or not we're more averse to for the avoid pain piece or seek pleasure is better. It's typically the pain is closer, mm. right? And so there's power in that proximity to the idea that my goal is at the end of the year, I will have sold X and that's going to allow me to go on this vacation or buy this thing for my kids or whatever. And that's at the end of the year. But the fact that I have to make the 20 calls is today. Yeah. Right. So right now I have to get on the phone. So if the call is the source of pain and we don't have some sort of like closer reward for making the 20 calls, if we don't pull that pleasure forward or make the pain of not hitting the goal bigger, then we're always going to fall prey to 
avoiding the pain right now, which is making the call or getting on the treadmill or whatever the goal is that you're setting out to do, there's going to be pain involved in that activity. Otherwise, it would be simple and everybody would do it all the time. Yeah, that's a really great distinction. I hope people don't miss that, right? Which is that you either need immediate pleasure or immediate pain set up so that you can immediately take the actions that you need to take to follow through. And that that's where coaching, you know, like having a weekly coach for me when I had a one-on-one coach years ago really helped me develop that the discipline and that those habits to follow through because when I'd be sitting there going, eh, I don't really feel like making calls, then that voice in my head of oh, I, I gave my word to Jeff, my coach, you know, and I'm talking to him on Tuesday in like three days. I, I can't be out of integrity and and you know be lame and tell him oh, I didn't actually follow through with what I said I was going to do. Yeah, really, really great, man. Really great. And sometimes, sometimes that pleasure is not that exciting. Like so, health, for example, right? Like it's important to me that I'm healthy because I want to spend time with my kids and whatever. But like the the bad part of not being healthy might be like sixty years out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's not a motivator for me to want to go to the gym. Like I don't love to go to the gym. There's lots of things I would rather do, but I know that it's important that I maintain my health and that I exercise and people talk about it all the time. So I had to put other things in place. So like I know last like last time I was in the best shape of my life, I know this because I'm doing it right now. It was 10 years ago I ran the half marathon when uh, I think it was the same year you ran the ultra marathon for Front Row Foundation. Oh, nice. And that was when I was in the best shape. That's when I weighed the least. That's when I had the most muscle. That's when I was eating right. And so this year I decided that I wanted to get back in the best shape of my life. I, I quit my job. I was going to have time. I had no excuses why not to do it. I just don't like to go. So I signed up for a half marathon again. And I was like, okay, well, if I sign up, I'll do it. And I was like, eh, maybe I won't. So I called three or four guys that I'm friends with who are in great shape that live locally and I got them to sign up for the same half marathon because what I knew about myself is I wouldn't let them down. Like I wouldn't not show up and run it with them after I made these guys sign up. Yeah. And so that, that's been the impetus for me to go to the gym is the fact that the pain of letting those guys down in 60 days yeah. is far worse than the pain of getting on the treadmill for a few miles a few days a week. I love that. And that, that's my favorite form of accountability is being a leader of a group that you are leading to accomplish a certain result. You know, back when I was back with Cutco, you know, that I formed that ultimate team where we call and like 20 other top sales people were on the call and, and I would make commitments to what I was going to do and then get their commitments. And yeah, exactly what you're said, which is, uh, you know, I, every day when I didn't feel like making those calls, I'm like, I can't, I'm the leader of this group. <laughs> like, I can't show up to our call on Sunday and be like, Oh, did you guys do your stuff? Oh me? No, no, I I didn't do it, but but, but I want to make sure you guys did because that's what we're here for, right? Like you, you you couldn't do that. So my favorite form of accountability is leading a group to achieve the result that you're working towards, and also because it's a fulfilling form of accountability. Because not only are you holding yourself accountable and being a leader, but you're helping other people, right? So it's me. It's right. it hits a bunch of needs. You you hit the need for contribution, the need for accountability, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, man, really really great. Yeah, it builds the relationships. I mean, there's so many benefits to doing it as a group like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And then are we on uh, G number five? Yeah. So G number five is get it done, right? Like the activity piece. So I sort of joke about this because The Secret's a really great book about power of positive thinking. But I always say that there's a missing chapter, which is the part where like you get off your butt and you actually do something to make some of these things happen. And so if you've gone about setting the grand vision and writing the goals down and breaking down the game plan and you've got yourself some guidance and accountability for it, well, then checking in on the, the measurables of the activity every single week 
and making sure that you're hitting those is the easiest way to tell if you're going to hit the goal or not, right? Like if I walk up to somebody and and we're talking, let's say we're talking about sales, just because that's the background, and they've said, "Here's my goal. Here's what I'm doing. This is my game plan." And they say, and I look at their game plan and it says, "Well, I'm going to make 30 calls a day." Let's say, mm-hmm. and I say, "Great. Well, how many calls did you make yesterday?" If the answer is not 30, they're not on track. Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't matter if they made all the calls that they needed to make the six weeks prior to that. If they're not consistently doing the thing they said they were going to do every day and actually getting the activity done, then they're going to fall short because it's so easy for that to build up. If you didn't make 30 yesterday, what makes you think you're going to make 60 tomorrow? Yeah. And I think that's an important piece too, is if we do miss, especially when it comes to sales, like numbers like that, you know, if you miss, that's what I used to, when I'd coach sales reps, right? They'd, they'd go, Oh yeah, I missed, I missed my calls yesterday or I missed a couple days of calls. And but I'll but I'll make it all or I'll you know I'll make my calls tomorrow. They go no 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 you can't just make your calls tomorrow. You have to make up the calls that you missed, right? Because that accumulation at the end of the year, if you miss a thirty call day and you do, you average you know one point five a week of those, right? That's forty five calls a week times fifty weeks. That's what is that two thousand calls that you didn't make that were needed to for the law of averages to work in your favor and allow you to reach your goal. So I think it's important. That you know, when it comes to exercise, I don't know if that means that you need to run, make up all your miles. I would say that you do, but I think it's important for people to realize is that when you miss something, you've got to look at okay, a I can't miss again. B, how am I going to make those up over the next you know days or weeks? Right, and what needs to change to make sure that I don't miss again? Yeah, because because you're also giving yourself permission that it's okay not to do it, and so as soon as we do that, you've let you've broken the habit piece again. So think about the way that you talk about in the Miracle Morning that idea of the first 10 days of being unbearable, yeah, right? So every time we start missing and slipping, we go back to the unbearable where we have to like will ourselves to go do the activity again because it takes us out of that automaticity. And so now it's like starting over. And maybe not if we miss one day because we were sick, but as soon as we give ourselves permission to make that a habit, it's so much easier to start a bad habit again, right? Than it is to maintain the good habit. So one day or two days or one day next week, and then two weeks later, one day again, every single time we're sort of letting in the bad habit of not committing to the activity again. And it's, it's really difficult to be the person who has it as a habit when we allow ourselves to slip and break the habit. Yeah. Never let one bad day turn into two. That's, that's my self-imposed rule. You know, if I miss a day, don't beat myself up, but recommit, you know, really recommit. Don't let one bad day turn into two. Um, All right. So get it done. Any other tips on getting it done? Well, I think the biggest thing there is just to measure the activity, not necessarily the results, right? So one of the reasons that we talk about the measurable numbers for the activities, which we talked about earlier, is the idea that what you talked about, the law of averages, right? Whether whether that's health or whether that's sales or whatever, relationships, there may be bad days, right? There might even be bad weeks. You might go through a streak that's just not good. Like it wasn't your best week for running. It wasn't your best week for sales calls. Like It wasn't your best week in dating. It doesn't matter what the goal is, but if we have consistent activity that we're doing and we're rewarding ourselves for the activity, then the results will eventually come. Yeah. And if they're not coming, two things will happen. One, by continuing the activity will improve. And then the other piece is, if consistently we're seeing, we're doing the activity, we're doing the activity, and we're not seeing the results over and over and over again, then we need to go back to four, which is guidance. Right? Who's the coach or mentor or whatever that's going to help redirect us to make sure that we're doing the activity the right way? Yeah, or even the book, right? <laughs> or what, right, or even the what, book. What book did I, you know, have I, have I fallen too far off track from because it's been so long since I read it and I need to reread it? 
Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. So, all right. So, so five G's of goal setting. We got grand vision. Start with your five, your 10 year dream. Remove the limits. Imagine if anything were possible, what would that look like for you? Number two, set your goals, your annual and quarterly goals, right? So, so work backwards from that grand vision and figure out what the goals are going to be in the short term that are going to get you to your grand vision. Number three is make your game plan. Break it down into your monthly, your weekly, your daily activities. Make sure they're measurable. Not just the goals. Make sure the activities are measurable. Have faith in the plan. And then number four is guidance, right? Guidance. Read books on the topic. Always be learning and growing and evolving in the areas or the skill sets uh, that you need to achieve the goals that you've set. Make sure you've got accountability someone that's holding you accountable to follow through. Ryan and I talked about our favorite form of that is to lead an accountability group. And it could be just you and another person. Ideally, the more people you're leading, the more accountability there is for you, right? It's easier to let down one person and kind of talk to them and get them to, you know, or get them to forgive you and and you know make excuses that you think will get you off the hook. But if it's you're leading a group of four, five, ten people, twenty people, it's a little harder to uh, convince them that it's okay that you didn't follow through. Then it's easier, it's harder to convince yourself that it's okay for you to not follow through. And then the fifth G is get it done. Focus on the activity, the process that will get you to your goals. And don't stress about the results because there's always good days, good bad days, good weeks, bad weeks, good months, bad months, etc. But if you consistently follow through with the activity that you've predetermined will get you to your goals, your success is essentially inevitable. Like Ryan said, by doing the activity more and more and more, no matter what, you're going to get better and better and better at the activity itself. Ryan, anything to add to that? And then I, I want to mention, I know you have a new book coming out, but uh, anything else to add to the five Gs? Yeah, no. So the one thing I would say is the idea behind the goals and the guide, the uh, grand vision, is that when most people set one-year goals, they will inevitably, in a lot of cases, fall short. And that's okay because of who they become in the process. But when they set a grand vision, they tend to hit it faster. Right. So if they have a five year or a 10 year vision, a lot of times they'll hit it by year three or year four. Mm, And it's because they didn't take into account how much they were going to grow in the course of those three or four years and what new things would open up to them as far as possibilities and opportunities that were out there. Because we can only sort of see with limited vision what's been available to us to this point, not what's going to become available to us in the next two to three years. I love that. And it's, I'm, you know, I think I'm living proof. I I can attest to that where. There's so many people, for example, that I used to observe from a distance, you know, with uh, with just admiration, and you know, the, you know, like people like Joe Polish, for example, <clears throat> the founder of Genius Network. Um, when I met him, or I, I was at an event, and he was there, and I'm like, oh, that's the Joe Polish, right? You know, capital T, capital H, capital E, right? That's the Joe Polish, and uh, and now Joe and I are buddies, and we text each other, and I never imagined that would happen, right? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, and that's true with a lot of these. I just interviewed Jordan Harbinger the other day on my podcast. And I used to listen to his podcast and be in awe and be like, dude, this guy's like the best podcaster in the world, you know? And now we're buddies and we're texting each other. And, and so in terms of the relationships that you're going to develop as you grow and become a better version of yourself, I think, right, right, you attract better people into your life and, and people that also have grand visions and that are following these, uh, these five G's. So really great, man. Let's, uh, Ryan, before we get off, dude, I know you have a new book that, uh, just came out, Explosive Sales Growth in Real Estate. 
Um, you got it. I could guess who it's for, but tell me you know, what, what, <laughs> who's the book for and, and what are they going to get out of it? Yeah, no. So the book is for real estate agents. I spent the last three years running a real estate office and we, we grew and did over a billion dollars in sales within the three years. Nice. And I found myself having the same coaching conversations over and over again around having a focused lead generation plan and not spreading yourself too thin. We talk about some of the things that you and I just talked about, goal achievement, but it is very detailed on 11 different lead generation strategies. Nice. And we coach people to choose just two or three of them that suit their business goals and their personalities. So to pick something that they're actually excited about doing the activity for in order to help them achieve their goals and build the life of their dreams. And they can find it on Amazon. They can go to Explosive Sales Book dot com directly and it will just connect them to the amazon page and uh yeah that's the book i'm excited about it it hit number one in real estate sales right off the bat nice. it is the number one new release in the category so yeah things are going really well and lots of great feedback already a bunch of five-star reviews so i'm excited Congrats, uh, for people man. to read it yeah anybody listening if you are in real estate and you know, we i know we have a lot of real estate agents that are listening to the podcast obviously i'm sure you're gonna get that book uh, but if you are not in real estate, but you have somebody in your circle of influence, right? Somebody in your your family, your friends, etc. You know, get them the book. Get them the book for uh, for a gift. I think a book that could change their life is a uh, one of the best gifts that you can give somebody. So, Ryan, man, it's always a blast to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Hal. I appreciate you, brother, and uh, thanks for all the great work you do in helping people achieve their goals. You got it, man. Well, uh, for everybody listening, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, aka Goal Achievers, thank you for tuning in to another episode. I hope you got as much value. I took a ton of notes. I, you know, Hopefully, you could tell that from when I repeated back the, the overall call. But um, I love and appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, until next week, go out there and make somebody's life better. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 